And that's one of the reasons why I got into the internal auditing profession, because you can actually witness the differences that you make. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for the show. Well, today we have a guest whose career has been very focused in the area of internal audit. We've definitely had some other auditors on the show before and a few in internal audit as well, but I don't think we've ever had a guest where 100% of their background was in the internal audit field specifically, and someone who's so highly accomplished in that field for that matter as well. Maxine Barwell from the Maryland area joined us for today's episode, and she's been in the field for over 24 years. She works for a major water utility now, and she mentioned to me after the recording that she happens to be the first African-American female to hold the chief audit position there as well. She's also very involved in professional organizations such as the Association for Inspectors General, the Ethics Commission for the City of Laurel, and her own ISACA chapter. We touch on this about midway through the podcast, but just in case you missed that part, she happens to hold six different certifications. And yes, I said six. She's a CPA and she holds five other certifications that pertain to different audit areas, different audit related areas, if you will. Like I said, she's definitely a role model in the audit field. So if you've ever considered taking your own career in that direction, this is going to be a great episode for you. If you do enjoy and learn something from this episode, please follow us on LinkedIn as well. Just search for Where Accountants Go. That's where we put all our podcast posts, plus occasionally some other special offers. So if you haven't done that yet, simply search for Where Accountants Go on LinkedIn and it'll pop right up. And as always, if there's anything I can do for you in your own career, and I mean this, or for your accounting associations that you may be involved in, please reach out to me. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with today's guest. Here's Maxine Bardwell. Hello, Maxine. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. I am so honored to be here for this interview and your famous podcast. (laughs) I've noticed the list of individuals you've already interviewed. I'm so happy to be among them. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm honored. We're honored to have you. Thank you for making the time for this. Well, for the audience, we have Maxine Barbwell joining us from the Maryland area today, and I specifically invited her on the show for a few reasons, actually. I first noticed that she was involved in an association called the Association of Inspectors General, and personally, I wasn't familiar with that particular organization. And then after I did a little more research, it really intrigued me that practically all of Maxine's career has been in the internal audit field, and we haven't had a show quite that focused on internal audit for quite a while, if ever. I I need to check the archives. I know we've had a few internal audit professionals, but maybe not that focused. If this is an area that you have interest in, Maxine is going to be the perfect guest for you to hear from. She's both highly focused and highly accomplished in that area. I'm really looking forward to this. Well, Maxine, before we do get to the present time, let's make sure we cover your overall journey in some detail, because that's how we all learn from these podcasts. What led you to decide to consider accounting as a possible career choice in the first place? 
Okay, well, it actually was not my first choice, but I came (laughs) across internal audits in a weird sort of way. I was actually an administrative assistant working at a college in Connecticut. And I worked for the dean of the School of Business there. And one day, one of the professors who frequent the office, he and his wife both were professors there at the college, he brought to my attention that I could attend school for free and that he would be willing for me to use his instructor's textbook for free as well. So I figured, well, this is a no-brainer. Let me take a stab at it and see how this pans out. And I actually ended up accelerating in the accounting classes, which is why I stuck with it. It just so happened I ended up in internal auditing. There was actually one course in internal auditing, believe it or not, at that time, but it still piqued my interest, and that's why I'm here today. Wow. Okay, I just have to ask, because I had the audit class in college, but are you saying your school had specifically an internal audit course? Well, thanks for correcting me, Mark. No, oh, I <laughs> actually did it that way. <laughs> no, it was. I, I understand. It was actually an audit course, but it really that audit course really paved the way. It gave you the foundation for internal auditing. It didn't differ much from that. Okay. Well, I know a lot of people that would take that, but there was one. That's why I was just sort of but, curious. Interesting. But there are courses offered now in internal auditing. I can't tell you the names of those university offhand, but I believe there are some that exist today. Back then there didn't, but they do now. Okay. Okay. So how did you get your first opportunity out of college? What was your first first professional job? My first professional job, actually um, college, I actually went for two job interviews. Uh, One was at, well, they were both were at banks. One was at a larger bank that was more nationwide and the other one was more local. And my decision was to go to with the nationwide bank. There were more opportunities there and actually it was only about five to 10 minutes away from my home. So I went with that company and the title, in my opinion, was somewhat misleading because it was called a risk analyst. And I said, okay, well, I'll be a risk analyst at a large bank. And when I started working, I found out risk analyst was just a fancy title for internal auditor. (laughs) (laughs) So that was surprising to me. But the interesting thing about that, my first job out at college is that it it entailed a lot of traveling. I would say it was anywhere from 80 to 90% travel. So that meant I was practically living out of my suitcases at different hotels wherever the bank merged or acquired another smaller subsidiary bank. And that kind of influenced my decision about not pursuing the public accounting route because I've heard the nightmare stories about people that did so much traveling. You kind of lose connections and bases with your family and other organizations, like say if you're a member of a church and you want to get involved in community activities you're pretty much working. The bank that I worked for did allow us to come home on weekends if we chose to, but then you would be flying right back out two days later. So I just did that for a number of years and decided, okay, if this is what public accounting is like, I don't want to go that route. (laughs) Interesting. I'm curious, did you know that there was going to be that much travel when you took the job and it was just okay for a while or, oh no, you didn't? I didn't know initially, 
It's not something they laid out on the table like you'll be gone 90% of the time. And since I was fresh out of college, I was up for it. I was game. Oh, okay, traveling, East Coast, West Coast. I was loving it, actually, at first. But after a year or so, then it becomes tiresome. Don't get me wrong. Some people love traveling all the time. And I loved it initially, but then it took its toll on me. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think some travel is more glamorous than other travel. (laughs) Yes, I started to miss my home-cooked meals and (laughs) just hanging out with friends. It's like, okay, I'm out of town. I'll see you in a month or two. Okay, okay. Well, let's take your career from there, I guess. How did it progress? And I know at one point here in the near future from this point, you became a, a chief audit executive. And so I'm sort of curious how you worked your way up to that point and what that really means in a financial institution. Can you take us forward from this point? Sure. After leaving the large bank, it was actually located in Columbus, Ohio. And I ended up moving to Maryland. And this was early 2000. And I immediately looked for an employment agency, and actually the first job interview I went on was at a local credit union. The funny thing is when I was at the employment agency, I informed them that I would like to work somewhere that was 10 minutes away from my home, and they laughed. And I'm like, what's so funny? And they said, in the DMV area, you're lucky to get a job that's 30 to 45 minutes away from home. So once reality set in, (laughs) I wasn't as picky. (laughs) So I ended up at the credit union actually as a senior internal auditor. And about Let's say a year or two into the job, the chief audit executive decided to be a stay-at-home mom, and uh, she presented the opportunity to me to fill her position. I didn't think I was really ready at the time, and she pointed out to me all of the strengths and talents that I had. In fact, while I was working at the uh, credit union, I was also pursuing my CPA credential in the evenings and on weekends. So I actually earned my CPA while working full time. And she didn't have one at the time. And she pretty much said, you know, I've already proven that I have the perseverance to do it. And just based on my work ethic and my job performance, she felt that I was ready. And she recommended me to the CEO of the credit union for that position. And we met and had the interview, and he agreed. And so that's how I became the CAE at the credit union. And after I became the CAE there, I decided that I wanted to pursue my master's degree. So I pursued my master's degree while working there full-time. And the company, and I don't know if this is routine for every company, but the credit union had its own career coach. And after I obtained my master's degree, the career coach said that he recommended I put my feelers out there and see what kind of salary I could command based on my credentials, you know, having the CPA, the the master's degree in finance, and that's what I did. And again, the first job interview I went on was with the... (laughs) with the water utility where I am now for their chief audit executive position. And I I got the job there. That is interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure all career coaches that are hired by a company do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like he said, get out of here, Maggie. But he did encourage me to just to see what the competitive salaries are. And then I'm telling you, when I did that, 
the salary was almost three times what I was making at the credit union. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. So I really liked working at the credit union. I mean, the company culture is more small. I mean, it's more of like family-oriented. In fact, they use the word family loosely around the credit union industry. And the major difference that I noticed between working at a large bank where you pretty much, I was among hundreds of internal auditors traveling around the United States at the credit union and at the bank, the shareholders own shares in the bank and at the difference between the bank and the credit union is that the credit union, the members are the owners. Both of them are highly regulated, but the credit union was just a more intimate setting, which required much less travel. Okay. Okay. I was curious about, yeah, how that transition happened. So, yeah, thank you. Before we leave the financial institution, I'm just curious because I think that some of our listeners, this may be beneficial as well. You spent a good amount of time in the financial institution space, and then, of course, you were in that CAE role. Are there any specific differences that you can put your finger on being a chief audit executive in a bank versus a director of internal audit in any other field. Any thoughts on comparing and contrasting those, or is it basically just a different title? I would say it's more or less a different title because you're still required to carry out those audit executive responsibilities and duties. So you're still providing that that leadership over a team of auditors, no matter how great or small they are. You're ensuring that you're pretty much developing risk-based audit plans for the year, looking to see that those are carried out and support the strategic objectives of the organization where you're employed, making sure that you uphold the standards of your profession, whatever those standards may be, whether they're the Institute of Internal Auditors Red Book, or the Government Accountability Office's Yellow Book, or the Offices of Inspectors General Green Book. There are standards that must be upheld, and the Chief Audit Executive, that responsibility ultimately rests with that individual. Okay. I just had to ask, because I wasn't sure if it was simply, you know, the way they referred to the job, or, you know, I know banking is so highly regulated that I wasn't sure maybe if there was a... Another aspect. Yeah, there is some difference when it comes to the regulatory aspects. For example, when I was the internal audit director at the credit union, I hired a compliance officer because it was highly regulated concerning the Bank Secrecy Act, which was designed to help prevent money laundering, primarily requiring them any reporting of transactions $10,000 or more, the U.S. Patriot Act and Graham-Leach-Bliley Act. So there was a lot of... Uh, controls in place to make sure that money wasn't laundered, the identity of the customers, the bank account holders were not disclosed. You know, there's some privacy matters, matters concerning lending. There was big on loans, so you had to make sure the annual percentage rate information was accurate. People were clear on what those expectations are, taking close look at dormant accounts, so there was a, it was highly regulated, and the thing about my current employer, there is a credit union within the main headquarters, but the difference is that the internal audit function is not responsible for auditing that function because it's uh, just least space in the building. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, now you've been in the utility industry for a little less than 15 years now, right? It's coming up exactly. on Exactly. 
know it's a long time, you know. <laughs> when I came on board here, I always look for opportunities and ways, different ways to add value. And I felt that there's always been an opportunity to add value to the ratepayers and stakeholders of this entity. So that's what keeps me going. That's what drives me to say, okay, I'm making a difference. And that's one of the reasons why I got into the internal auditing profession, because you can actually witness the differences that you make within agencies and other organizations. It's a rewarding uh, profession, especially for someone like me who loves to get back and give back to the community and help others. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought of that aspect of working in a governmental or quasi-governmental agency until I started this podcast and started interviewing people that have. And I'm sorry, the aspect I mean is the, the aspect of serving the public. I had a tendency to think of it as good, stable job kind of thing, but there definitely is an aspect of working for the greater good, serving the public, doing your part to help make the community better. And yeah, I can see how that would be very, very rewarding. So Another title I wasn't familiar with, and I apologize for my ignorance, it's just not a space I'm not that familiar with, Assistant Inspector General, or like the Association of Inspector Generals. Is that specific to government? Is that simply governmental audit? Is that where that title comes from, or is there a different meaning? I believe you hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Okay. Because, to be honest with you, the department where I'm employed now It was originally the Internal Audit Office, and about two and a half years ago, it became the Office of Inspector General. And so I had to find out a little more about what this means for our office, what will be the impact to our office, and I found out more about the Association of Inspectors General. We call it the AIG for short. It, It actually established almost 20... Five years ago, in October 1996, so this year they'll be celebrating their 25-year anniversary. I actually was an instructor. I am an instructor for the agency, and I found out a little more about what it does. And its main purpose is to foster and promote public accountability and integrity in the general areas that are public-related. It's a long list of things that it has here, but Mainly, I would equate it to being similar to the Government Accountability Office or the Institute of Internal Auditors, where the AIG establishes its own principles and standards for offices of inspectors general, whether that in any government setting. But they also encourage other entities outside of government settings to utilize their standards if they are considered to be offices of inspectors general. Okay. Okay. How long have you been, I guess, a part of the association? I'm just ballpark. I'm just curious. About two and a half years. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And uh, I started teaching last year, which was the same year I obtained my certification as a certified inspector general auditor. Okay. (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned that because I was trying to figure out exactly what CIGA meant. And I hadn't, <laughs> uh, I hadn't Googled it yet. <laughs> it's short for cigar. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> One letter short. Oh, that's One funny. letter short. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind, let's walk through your certification. So you're a CPA, a CIA as well, Certified Internal Auditor? Yes. Okay. A Certified Fraud Examiner? Yes. A CISA, 
Certified Information Systems Auditor. Mm -hmm. We already mentioned the CIGA, the Inspector General. I'm sorry, CIGA, Inspector General. What was the the Certified Inspector General Auditor. Auditor, okay. All right. What is the CRMA? uh, It's a Certification in Risk Management and Assurance. You remember the uh, risk-based audit plans I uh, stated earlier? I just gave a little more background or information on how to do risk assessments. And in the internal audit profession, when we conduct risk assessments, it's primarily for audit planning purposes. It's not to do a risk assessment of the agency. It's it's to say, okay, here are the risks identified. We have limited resources, so where are we going to focus those resources, which are likely on the highest risk areas that have the greatest impact to preventing the organization from achieving its goals and objectives. Wow. I'm scared to ask. I'm sure some of your continuing education is cross-applicable. Yes. (laughs) How many hours do you have to get? (laughs) I would say the uh, one certification that requires the most hours is the CPA which happened to be the most difficult of okay. the six that I have. So this is usually 40 hours. Okay. over. Yeah, so it's not bad. And like you're saying, I can cross-apply them, which is a big help. And currently I serve on the ISACA Central Maryland Board of Directors and the service that I provide there, That's I earn CPE credits for there up to 20 each year, and that's the requirement. So I look for ways to leverage those CPE requirements, and all of the certifications that I have serve one purpose or another. When I came on board at my current employer, I already had the CPA. However, when I looked to establish standards that the office would employ, I looked towards the Institute of Internal Auditors, and I wanted to become certified as an internal auditor under their standards so I can properly apply that information and in turn educate the other auditors about what the expectations are. And we actually underwent and what's called an external assessment to see if we were upholding those standards because you cannot state that you uphold those standards without undergoing at a minimum a peer review or an external assessment. So we passed that with flying colors. Next, since we can't do anything these days without information technology, it touches every aspect of any organization. And I wanted to know, okay, from an audit standpoint, what should we be doing or be aware of concerning technology that's used in every department of the organization? And that's why I pursued the Certified Information Systems Auditor which was challenging when it, because there's a lot of uh, studying about security levels within IT. It's not just auditing. It's like what are the major areas of risk. And after that, actually, I obtained my certified fraud examiner certification after the CIA sort of credential because I had an interest of establishing a fraud, waste, and abuse hotline at my employer And I made a requirement for all of the auditors within our department to become CFEs because we did not have, it was not an office of inspector general at the time, but be required to assist with those investigations. And you don't want to be doing things inaccurately if you're on this rest with your department. So that's what, how I ended up with the CFE certification. 
and the certify, and for the last one for the <laughs> Association of Inspectors General, I'm like losing track. <laughs> that one was because we became an Office of Inspector General, and I wanted to know, okay, what are the gaps or any differences between the certified internal auditor and that certification? So I, that's why I pursued that to see, okay, what are we doing right, wrong, or is there any room for improvement? And I found that we had been doing everything Accordingly, there were some minor differences between the requirements, CPE requirements between the yellow book standards and the red book standards. But other than that, we were doing everything right. So everything that I, all the certifications had a meaning and a reason behind them. I, I didn't just pursue them for the heck of it. And I made darn sure that those CPEs would be transferable to each. <laughs> 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 Otherwise, I would just be busy taking courses and <laughs> not contributing. And it is to provide world-class service to our organization. Sure. Yeah, I, I can tell it's because you want to be prepared. You want to provide an excellent service, like you said, the best service possible. So yeah, that's, exactly. uh, wow. You're and fully I encourage others. For sure. Yeah, and I encourage, you know, everyone on the team as well, because one of the things I share with my team is that having a CPA is great. However, it's not the end-all to certification world, and we can obtain expertise in various areas so that we can offer those services to our clients. And I've been on board. Several of them have obtained um, other certifications besides the CPA. Wow. Wow. You're a good leader as well. Wow. Well, as long as you've been an internal audit and even though your titles have been different, I mean, it's all been auto-related. Based on what you know now, after all these years, I mean, who do you think really enjoys internal audit and who is it maybe not good for? If you think over all your years and the successes and maybe the people that decided to move out, are there any characteristics that you've identified that people that appreciate this will love this field and people that appreciate something different or don't appreciate this are really going to find this frustrating? <laughs> Okay, I would say that to be in this profession, you really need to enjoy working or interacting with others. This is not a desk job. This is one where you're required to interview people regularly, observe people in action, processes in action. You're going out to do site visits at various locations. And you have to be a good listener. You have to be an excellent communicator because when it comes to interacting with our audit clients, you have to be able to communicate any issues that you've identified, offer recommendations, even present them to the audit committee in front of a live stream audience. You have to be able to write well. I would say at least 75% of the work that we do is the written audit report, which is the end product. And, and that is essential. It's one of the skill sets we look for when we're interviewing any audit, potential auditor is whether or not they can write. <laughs> not everyone can write. You can articulate, but can you put the pen to paper, so to speak? You have to be able to document what you've observed and be able to communicate it with really what you, the work that you do should stand on its own, including supports whatever you found. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Just being able to text probably doesn't. No, <laughs> not at all. I'm sorry. I you have to, no problem. 
I would say to anyone that you have to have great analytical skills as well because you're a problem solver. Um, that's what we primarily do, solve problems. But the individual that enters this profession should note that we're not out to point fingers. We're really uh, there to be trusted advisors. And you can't build trust if you're always pointing fingers or criticizing. We compliment our audit clients for what they're doing well as in addition to pointing out areas in need of improvement. So you have to have some type of level of respect and rapport with the people you audit. I would say anyone that does not like working with people, wants to get in and get a project done and get out, auditing, internal auditing is not for them because just upholding the standards that we do support, sometimes an audit can take months to years to complete. So it's not often a quick turnaround. And there's a constant interaction that's uh, always evolving and changing. This is not a stagnant profession. And you may come in one day, you are geared up to finish an audit project, and then an emergency issue arises or some type of unexpected investigation that requires your assistance. You may take you off course, so you really have to know how to multitask. So if you don't like variety and excitement and helping others, <laughs> I would not recommend you enter this career if you just want to crunch numbers and do balance sheets and income statements, then, then this is not the field for you. I can tell you really enjoy the service aspect of what you do and making things better, that kind of thing. I don't know if this is a fair question, but I'm curious if anything pops up. Is there anything that, when I ask you what's the most challenging thing about your job or the most challenging thing about the internal audit field, is there anything that comes to mind? Yes, and that is the negative reputation. Uh, for some reason, <laughs> people always think we're out to get them, catch them doing something wrong, and that's the furthest from the truth. One of the things that I practice and tend to teach others is to focus on the process, not the person. Where We're looking to see, are there any, as an example, are there any con internal control weaknesses that are preventing this process from achieving the organizational's objectives. And we point out what those weaknesses may be, whether it's the duties aren't properly segregated, there's no one monitoring reports that are, I mean, data that's being entered into the system, there's no one authorizing, overseeing the authorizing aspects of the contract approval, things of that nature. That's what we point out. So we're, we we're not there to um, insult the intelligence of people. We're there to say, okay, let's look at the process and how we can help fix it and mitigate the uh, risks of future recurrence. Sure. Yeah, you have to want to help people sometimes, even if they may not want to be helped immediately. <laughs> I like the oh, way right. You... The reputation yeah. is like, okay, here comes the auditors, and what am I doing wrong? And it's, it's not about you. <laughs> And even when it comes to the internal auditors, they know that when I'm reviewing their written audit reports, I say, take your feelings out of those reports. Take the person. We don't use names. We use titles, and we focus on the process at hand. It's a very, I could say, when you point out areas that need to be improved, people automatically put up their defenses and they get offended. It's like, this is my baby, and you're calling my baby ugly. Yeah. 
that's the challenging aspect. And it's not a one of those careers where you're applauded for the work that you do. <laughs> it's not like, oh, yeah, I was just audited. They found 10 findings. No, it's not one where you're going to be applauded for your services. Even though you know the work that you're doing is adding value, it's not always received that way. Okay. Yeah, someone needs to make a T-shirt that says internal audit. It's not personal, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> or internal auditor, it's not personal. <laughs> right. <laughs> On both sides. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I'm telling you, auditors get their feelings hurt when you make a recommendation. Because remember, we're making recommendations. We can't tell management yeah. what to do. <laughs> and that's one of the biggest misnomers. We can't tell you what to do, but we can darn well show you and prove to you why you should make these, implement these changes and how it would add value to the organization. There you go. There you go. I want to be respectful of your time, and we still have enough time to get through the final questions. There's three questions that I end every show with. But last question before that, and I know this may seem a little weird, but I'm just curious because you've been so focused in internal audit. If you wouldn't have become an auditor, what other area do you think might have interested you? <laughs> Was there any other thought at one point? At one point, I was CPA. I was going to be a tax accountant. <laughs> I said, okay, let me put my little sign up and open for business. <laughs> so I was going to do tax accounting. You know, who knows? I might end up doing that <laughs> eventually. And I also looked at being a tax accountant as one way to help as well. And I know true. a couple of my peers, they have tax businesses on the side or they do it uh, full time. So I do see the benefits there. And I've been approached one or two times to be an adjunct professor. Oh. So I might do that one day because I volunteered as an instructor for the Institute of Internal Auditors as well as currently for the Association of Inspectors General. Mm, so you already know you like it. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, I just had to ask. By the way, I know a lot of people that that's sort of their quasi-retirement plan is, oh, just prepare some tax returns on the side. So <laughs> it's a common it's thing. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> yes. Well, I do end every show with the same three questions, and we probably better get to those. The first one's usually the easier one. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? Okay, well, my, besides passing the uniform CPA exam, I would say two of my proudest moments occurred in 2018 when I received the Women to Watch Award from the Maryland Association of CPAs, and oh. I was also inducted into my high school Hall of Fame. And that was all based on, yes. <laughs> I mean, they had the ceremony and everything, and it was really nice. It was in recognition of how I give back to the community, my career achievements, and my professional development achievements. So it was trifold. I received my certificates. I have my picture and plaque in the Hall of Fame. It was really nice. And that's to be recognized by the Maryland Association of CPAs as a woman to watch. I mean, it speaks volumes to the potential that they see in me. Yes. Wow. Those are pretty cool. We've had a lot of great Thank guests you. from the Maryland Association. A lot of very influential people making a difference there. So, yes, that is neat. Well, Thank second you. question. Tell us about a lesson you learned the hard way, and the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how our audience and me, that's how we learn from this. 
I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but when I was a volunteer instructor for the Institute of Internal Auditors, we would do, sometimes you would teach by yourself, other times you would have a co-instructor with you. And I remember one time I was doing a virtual class and it was a co-instructor that has her own company and is just well known in the profession for her teaching abilities. And she happened to be the co-instructor for this virtual class that we were teaching together. So she would do one part and I would do another. And mind you, all of the participants, this is worldwide. So these are globally people participating in this virtual class. And I was asked for advice on ways that I can improve and, you know, what well, what didn't go well. And she brought it to my attention that (laughs) she, as well as the students, could tell I was reading from the script. (laughs) (laughs) So she recommended that whenever I get the lesson plans for the courses, any course that I was planning to teach, whether virtually or in person, to make sure that I spend time with the material, get familiar with it, get, get a level of comfort before I discuss the topics because it was clear that I was reading verbatim. <laughs> so that was one lesson I learned, and it actually prompted me to enroll in Toastmasters so I, <laughs> so I could be a better presenter, and I obtained my competent leader and competent communicator certificates from Toastmasters. Wow. I can relate. Most of us learn the proper amount of preparation by being underprepared at least once and then realizing, oh, (laughs) it shouldn't have been done. Was it that obvious? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. That's good for everybody to hear for sure. Well, last question, then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? The best piece of advice that I have received was to develop thick skin if you want to be an internal auditor. (laughs) Um, I'm a type of person, as you can tell, I love to give back and I view myself as being very empathetic and I just love helping others. And I remember when I first got into this profession, I would come home almost teary-eyed because someone hurt my feelings. And, you know, I believe that, oh, we're doing great things to help you, and I just gave you some brilliant advice, and then you're going to turn around and be combative. So I just felt that I was underappreciated. And when someone told me, you need to develop thick skin and take the focus off of yourself and place it on the business at hand, it made a world of difference in how I approach auditing and treat this profession. I have to ask, was that a professor or a former supervisor? Because that's great advice. I'm curious. <laughs> You're really going to laugh. It, it was an ex-husband. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I probably shouldn't ask any more about the context of that. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's good. It's good advice. It's good advice for sure. Yeah. You know, you can't wear your emotions on your sleeve. And it was just, you know, one of those things when you got to separate. That was one of the things, bringing your work home. You've heard of that saying before, right? Yeah. (laughs) I get some of the best business advice from my wife. (laughs) It's usually... Yeah, after hours, yeah, talking about the day. See? So it's not unusual. (laughs) No, no. 
Well, thank you so much for making the time for this, Maxine. We really haven't been able to drill down and talk in depth about internal auditing careers in a while. So I really appreciate you making time for this for me and for our audience. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. I really do hope that I was able to shed some light on this field. And I really enjoyed this time with you as well. And in the end, hopefully someone that's truly and genuinely interested in helping others will pursue this as a career. Yes, it was definitely beneficial. Thank you. Well, that was our interview with Maxine Bardwell. And reflecting on the interview, there's a couple things I really have appreciation for. And, and number one, about halfway through or maybe two thirds through, we get into talking about the characteristics that are important for someone to be successful an internal audit or who would enjoy it and who may not. And I really appreciate how open she was about that because I think that's helpful really for all of us. And then secondly, if you've listened to the show before, you already know this, but certification is near and dear to my heart. And I don't know if six certifications would have been right for me per se. However, I really do have a lot of respect for individuals that continue to progress in an area and as they do, they continue to get the certifications that they need to be an excellent professional in that area. And Maxine has definitely done that all along the way in her career. I have a tremendous amount of respect for individuals that do that. Well, thank you again for joining us. I really appreciate that you take the time to listen to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers podcast. If there's anything I can do for you, please reach out to me. I'm very findable on LinkedIn. Just search for Mark Goldman CPA and I'll pop right up. We will see you all next week. There's more to come.